something on much run out
Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Parivrajakacharja, <laughs> Nama Charger Shirai Dastakurki, Premzagoshi, Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nitananda, Sri Advaita Gurad Harasi Sadigur Bhaktivindiki, Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gokopada Shamakund Radha Kundi Govadaniki, Braj Bhumi Shivindamadamiki, Navdeep Maipur Damiki, Pushtam Chetra Jagran Puritamiki, Ganga Maiki, Jamuna Maiki, Bhakti Deviki, Tulasi Mahalaniki, Sama Veta Bhaktivindiki, Jainitai Go Paremanandi. All glorious assemblies, all glorious assemblies, all glorious assemblies, all glorious, all glorious, Lord is with Sri Guru and Sri Guranga, all glorious to Sri Prabhupada, Jaino, Vishtapada, Christmas time of the day, Sri Matanam Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Sa Va Ayang Brahma Mahad Vimrigya Savarayam Brahma Mahad Vimrigya Savarayam Brahma Mahad Vimrigya Kaivalya Nirvana Sukhanubhuti Kaivalya Nirvana Sukhanubhuti Kaivalya Nivana Sukhanubhuti 
Savarayam Brahma Mahat Bimrikya Kaivalya Nivana Sukhana Bhuti Priya Surit Va Kalu Matuleya Priya Surit Va Kalu Matuleya Priya Surit Va Kalu Matuleya Atmahaniyo Vidhi Krid Gurus Cha Atmahaniyo Vidhi Krid Gurus Cha Atmahaniyo Vidhi Krid Gurus Cha Priyasu Hridvakalu Matuleya Atmahaniyo Vidhikrit Gurushcha Savayam Brahma Mahadvimrigya Kaivalya Nirvana Sukhano Bhuti Priyasu Hridvakalu Matuleya Atmahaniyo Vidikrit Gurushcha Savayam Habrama Mahadvimrikya Kaivalya Nivana Sukhano Bhuti Priyasuhritva Kalumatuleya Atmahaniyo Vidikrit Sorry, Atmahaniyo Vidikrit Gurushcha Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. Va also. I am this. 
Brahma, the impersonal Brahman, which is also an emanation, uh, sorry, which is an emanation from Krishna. Mahat, by great personalities. Vimrigya, searched for. Kaivalya, oneness. Nivana Sukha, of transcendental happiness. Anubhuti, the source of practical experience. Priya, very, very dear. Suhrit, well-wisher. Va, of you. Kahlu, indeed. Matuleya, the son of a maternal uncle. Atma, exactly like body and soul together. Ahaniya, worshipable, because he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vidikrit, yet he serves you as an order carrier. Guru, your supreme advisor. Cha, as well. Translation. The impersonal Brahman is Krishna himself because Krishna is the source of the impersonal Brahman. Does anyone know a verse in the Bhagavad Gita that explains this? From the 14th chapter. Brahmanohi Pratishtaham. He says, I am the basis of the, of the impersonal Brahman. He is the origin of the transcendental bliss sought by great saintly persons. Yet he, the supreme person, is your most dear friend and constant well-wisher and is intimately related to you as the son of your maternal uncle. Indeed, he is always like your body and soul. He is worshipable, yet he acts as your servant and sometimes as your spiritual master. Responsively, please. The impersonal Brahman is Krishna himself. Because Krishna is the source of the impersonal Brahman. He is the origin of the transcendental bliss sought by great saintly persons. Yet he, the Supreme Person, is your most dear friend and constant well-wisher and is intimately related to you as the son of your maternal uncle. Indeed, he is always like your body and soul. He is worshipable, yet he acts as your servant and sometimes as your spiritual master. So can anyone think of examples where Krishna was acting as the servant of the Pandavas? Yeah, he was Arjuna's charioteer. Anything else? 
only one thing? A little bit late. I'm sort of really blocked up. He was a messenger. Yeah, he, he went to the, the court of the Korovas to try to convince them not to have the war. Yeah. So many, many examples actually there in the scriptures of how Krishna acted as the servant. And what about as a spiritual master? How did he act as the spiritual master of the Pandavas? There's two examples that come to mind, but there's many. Yeah, he, got, he recited Bhagavad Gita. The whole Bhagavad Gita is, is Krishna acting as the guru of Arjuna. And, and we see that Arjuna, he says, Shishasteham sarimamtam prapanam. Now I'm your disciple and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. Then also we see that before the passing of Bhishma Dev, that Krishna was also instructing Yudhisthira. But there's many, many examples you can see throughout the Mahabharata. Many examples of how Krishna was instructing and guiding the Pandavas. And actually, we see that the Pandavas accepted Krishna, only Krishna as their guide. And whatever Krishna said, they would do that. So throughout their, their lives, they accepted Krishna as their guide. <coughs> Prabhupada's purport. I was actually expecting to speak on the next verse. I asked Surya Gopal yesterday what verse I was doing, and he said 50. So, anyhow. They're similar. Purport, there is always a difference of opinion about the absolute truth. One class of transcendentalists conclude that the absolute truth is impersonal. And another class concludes that the absolute truth is a person. Which one's correct? Huh? So which one's correct? Is he a person or not a person? Person. person. But he's actually both. He has his impersonal feature, but ultimately he's a person, as we'll see Prabhupada's explaining here. In Bhagavad Gita, the absolute truth is accepted as the supreme person. Indeed, that supreme person himself, Lord Krishna, instructs in Bhagavad Gita, Brahmano hi pratishtaham, mata paratanam nyanyat, this impersonal Brahman is my partial manifestation. So it's coming from Krishna, but it's only a part of Krishna. It's not the whole. Yeah. And, um, and there is no truth superior to me. That same Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, acted as the supreme friend and relative of the Pandavas. And sometimes he even acted as their servant by carrying a letter from the Pandavas to Dhritarashtra and Duryodhana. Because Krishna was the well-wisher of the Pandavas, he also acted as guru by becoming the spiritual master of Arjuna. Arjuna accepted Krishna as his spiritual master, sishasteham sadimamtvam prapanam. And Krishna sometimes chastised him. Can anyone think of when Krishna chastised Arjuna? A very nice verse in the Bhagavad in the second chapter. Anyone know the verse? Krishna says, Asachan Navasachastram, Pragyavadam Shapasase, Gata Sumagata Sumshat, Nanusachantipandha. While speaking learned words, you're lamenting for that which is not worthy of grief. The wise lament neither for the living nor the dead. So 
he's saying that Arjuna, you're presenting yourself as being a learned person, but actually you're behaving like a fool because you're glorifying that which is not worthy of glorifying. Because you're talking about the, the, the body. You're lamenting about the loss of the body, but actually a, 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 a wise person understands that the body's temporary. And that's what uh, Krishna explains to Arjuna in the second chapter. Uh, and sometimes Krishna, uh, for example, the Lord said, While speaking learned words, you're mourning for that which is not worthy of grief. The Lord also said, My dear Arjuna, how have these impurities come upon you? Such was the intimate relationship between the Pandavas and Krishna. In the same way, a pure devotee of the Lord is always with Krishna through thick and thin. This, uh, his way of life is Krishna. This is the statement of the authority of, uh, uh, sorry, this is the statement of the authority, Sri Narada Muni. So, very, very wonderful uh, description here, uh, where Narada Muni is talking with Yudhisthira Maharaj. And we see, like, we've gone through now <coughs> uh, 10 chapters of the Bhagavatam from the first chapter in this canto through to this chapter now, number 10, which have been describing the, the, the glorious pastimes of Prahlad Maharaj, or the glorious character and quality of Prahlad Maharaj and his devotional service, and how he was completely surrendered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He just, no matter what, what was happening, no, ma no matter what his father was trying to do to him, he just took shelter of Krishna at every moment. And a very, very glorious description of a glorious devotee. And at the end of it, of course, they, they, they discuss the, uh, the benefits of hearing this pastime and how, you know, by listening attentively to this pastime, one can become just like Prahlad. And the Pandavas are all considered to be pure devotees of Krishna, very, you know, like pure alloy devotees of Krishna, Krishna's eternal associates. So it seems that Narad Muni understood Yudhisthira Maharaj's mind because it's natural that a, a pure devotee like Yudhisthira Maharaj would be thinking, well, Prahlad Maharaj is so fortunate, he's such an advanced devotee, but we're not fortunate like that. We're, we're actually very unfortunate. But now in these three verses, uh, 48, 49, and 50, we see that um, Narad Muni is actually saying, no, but you, the Pandavas, you are the most fortunate. Because Krishna, he lives in your house. Krishna, you know, we see that, like, after the, after the you know, like, Krishna would come and stay in the, the house of the Pandavas for many months at a time. And, and after, after the, the battle of Kurukshetra, he stayed there for some time to placate all his, his relatives there in, in uh, Hastinapur. But then also, as they were leaving, Yudhisthira Maharaj, as Krishna <coughs> was about to leave, uh, Yudhisthira Maharaj came and asked Krishna, please stay a little bit longer. Um, actually, that was a little bit like, because then what happened was, um, while he was staying there, he went down to uh, the, battle, the battlefield at Kurukshetra because Bhishma Dev was just about to leave his body. He and all the Pandavas, they went down there. And it's described, there's different descriptions, but one, one of the descriptions I've read mentions how 
Bhishma Dev spoke for 54 days. So almost two months he was speaking on all these different uh, topics, especially about dharma, of a Kshatriya, of a, of a Vaishya, of a, a, a Brahmana, a Sudra, um, you know, all these different. He spoke about Vanashram. And, and so, you know, Yudhisthira Maharaj was listening, but also Krishna was there. And then they went back to the, to the, um, to the palace in Hastinapur after Bhishma Dev passed away, and Krishna spent some more time there. So he spent a, a significant amount of time. And yet Yudhisthira Maharaj, out of his natural humility, because this is one of the qualities that develops in a devotee, is humility. And Prabhupada discusses this quality of humility in many places, but in particular in the Bhagavad Gita in chapter 12, uh, Prabhupada is discussing the importance of humility for a devotee. And he explains that without humility, one cannot have knowledge. Because we see in this material world, People have so much knowledge, you know, you, you know, like people who are scientists and can, IT experts and doctors and lawyers and all that. They have so much knowledge. But generally we find they're not very humble. Generally you'll find that they think they're, you know, like, you know, I mean, so often we have the experience where we might be interacting with a, someone from a particular field of, you know, of expertise. And it's obvious, you know, um, that they're not humble. I'll give you an example. I remember years ago, I was going to, um, might have been the Alfred Hospital. And I was doing, this, getting these stress tests done on my, my heart and lungs and things like that. And they, you know, they, they were sort of giving me instruction on how to do it, you know, on what I'm supposed to do. And at the end, you know, because I just, did the test and was breathing and whatever I had to do. And, and then the nurse said, oh, just see what we made you do. You know, she's taking responsibility for, for the outcome. And we see this is quite common in the material world, it is everyone thinks themselves the doer. And as Krishna explains in the Gita, these activities are actually carried out by the material nature. But the spirit soul bewildered by the influence of false ego, thinks himself the doer. Just like this body, you know, we, we, we think we're controlling the body. But how much control do we have of the body? Really? Stop breathing for an hour or so, see how it works. Stop, stop, can you stop blinking your eyelids? Can you stop your hair from growing? Even the simplest of things we can't do. Yet, we think we're the controller. We think we're the enjoyer. But actually, as Krishna explains, the spirit soul, bewildered by the influence of false ego, thinks themselves the doer of activities, which in reality are carried out by the material nature. So this whole world is functioning under the, the um, sort of oversight, if you like, of the material nature. The whole world is functioning due to the potency of the material nature. And even this body is going on remote. Automatically, you, you see like the body's growing, the body's aging, the hair's growing, the fingers... So, all this is going on, seemingly, seemingly automatically, by the material nature. 
But Krishna says also, he said, Maya Jakshena Prakrite Suyate Sacharacharam. That this material nature is my, is my energy, it's working under my supervision, under my direction. So it's not automatic. Krishna puts it into place. And we see that Prabhupada in his purports, he'll many times talk about you know, so many wonderful things in this material world. Just like, you know, there's computers, we've got all this technology here with the sound system and stuff. There's cars, there's planes, there's all sorts of wonderful machines. And they look like they're functioning automatically. But if you take out the spirit soul, what happens? It's just a lump of matter. It can't function. And it's the same with the body. If you remove the spirit soul from the body, it is just a lump of matter and it will decay <coughs> in due course. So we can see that by the influence of false ego, people are bewildered about the reality of this material world and they think that they are the controller and they are the enjoyer. But actually, we can understand that Krishna, he's actually the only controller. He's actually the only enjoyer and he's actually the only friend. This is a point that uh, Krishna states at the end of the fifth chapter of the Gita. So, Yudhisthira has this mood because he's a pure, unalloyed devotee of Krishna. He's understanding, I'm not the doer. But at the same point, even though he's a very, very greatly advanced devotee, he's also not thinking that we're, I'm fortunate. He's thinking, I'm most unfortunate because, you know, and he gives different reasons in, in different places, but, and we see this is quite common with pure unalloyed devotees, is they're thinking that others are more fortunate than them because they have humility. Because, as I was saying, Prabhupada points out, through humility, one can actually develop knowledge. And this knowledge helps us to understand who we are. It helps us to understand who the Supreme Personality of Godhead is. It helps us to understand our relationship with matter, with time, with all these different elements, but also our relationship with Krishna. And with this uh, knowledge, see, there's different types of knowledge. There's material knowledge, which I was talking about before, where you can understand matter. But ultimately, that doesn't help you unless you understand matter in relationship with Krishna. Because if you understand that ultimately matter, Krishna says, Maya tatami damsavam jagadavyakta murtina, this, this the material nature is my energy. It's coming from me. And it pervades, you know, by my energy, I'm pervading the entire universe. So someone understands that actually matter, what it's about, it, it's Krishna's energy. And its purpose is to serve Krishna. They actually have transcendental knowledge because they understand the nature of things. But someone who just understands, you know, um, you know, what's like a microphone, how a microphone functions, what's inside of here and all that, you know, like, I mean, I know what's inside of this because I used to work in this industry and I know how it functions. But that doesn't mean that I actually understand the purpose of it. You know, someone who has that knowledge may not understand the purpose. But as devotees of Krishna, we understand the purpose of the microphone is to amplify transcendental sound. And that way, it's using this microphone or whatever it is we may have for its proper purpose. Because everything is connected with Krishna. Krishna says in the Gita that, um, that I am the source of all spiritual material worlds. Everything emanates from me. 
So if we understand that, if we understand that everything is nothing but Krishna's energy, then we should understand how to utilize that. And so he says, Buddha Bhavasa, Buddha that the wise knowing this, they engage in my service with great determination. So someone who actually has intelligence, someone who actually understands things as they are, knows how to utilize things for the, for the pleasure of Krishna. And we see this is, this is Yudhisthira's position. He's understanding, excuse me, actually all the Pandavas are understanding Krishna's position. They're understanding that he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that our business is to serve him. And as Prabhupada, Prabhupada says, he uses an interesting term at the end of the purport. He says, a pure devotee of the Lord is always with Krishna through thick and thin. This is the life of Krishna. And we see that there, there were many times throughout the Pandavas' lives where they were in difficulty and they took shelter of Krishna. One such story <coughs> was um, when the Pandavas were in exile. They were, they were in exile for 13 years. 12 years they were just in ordinary exile and in one year they had to be incognito where, where no one knew where they, where they were. Or even knew who they were. And so during that first 12 years, uh, Duryodhan was always looking how to do harm to the, to the, the Pandavas. And he thought this is a really good opportunity because they don't have the kingdom, they don't have any protection, they're just out in the forest, so now I can really get them and, you know, like rub it in, rub salt into the wound. And of course, this just made beam changes more and more determined to, to destroy the Kauravas. But um, at one point, um, there's many stories of how um, the Kauravas were, were just trying to, to you know, especially Duryodhana and, and his brothers and friends, were just trying to humiliate and, 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 and cause harm to the Pandavas. And invariably, he'd wind up being humiliated himself. There's one story where um, the Kauravas were, were uh, they attacked, they, you know, because they were trying to um, cause harm to the Pandavas, but somehow or other they attacked uh, a, a, um, a Gandharva called, called uh, Chitrata. And, 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 and this, this Gandharva, he actually captured them and, and he bound up Duryodhana and all the others went running away. And Bimshane, he was thinking, oh, this is wonderful, you know, such a great opportunity now that we don't have to fight now because he's finished, you know. But then, then Yudhisthira, this, this is the quality of Yudhisthira, he's saying, no, he's our kinsman and we have to, we have to you know, protect the honor of our family by, by you know, saving him. So then what happened is because the, the, the Pandavas, uh, um, for some reason, they didn't have their weapons with them. And Arjuna went down there. And he simply took a, 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 a torch, you know, like a you know, stick with a flame on the end of it. And he defeated this Chatriya with his torch. He actually used it as an astra. He, he completely defeated him. And he, he had Duryodhana and the others released. And so even that is Duryodhana, even though he was completely humiliated by the power of Arjuna, even though Arjuna was trying to save him, he still bore this enmity. Even though Yudhisthira was wanting to save him from a difficult situation, he still bore this enmity. Because he actually saw, he, you know, to some extent, um, he had some idea of, of the potency of the Pandavas, and, and he felt diminished 
in their, in their presence. And he couldn't stand that because he was an envious-natured person. He couldn't stand to see someone in a better position. He couldn't stand to see someone being more glorified or one, someone who was more glorious than him. He had to pull them down at every opportunity. And one, one time that he tried to uh, do that, which uh, was, I thought was a very good example of how the devotees take shelter of Krishna through thick and thin, is at one point, um, Devasa Muni came to visit the, king, the court of the Kauravas, and he offered Duridhan a benediction. And then so Duridhan said, you know, I'd, I'd like you to go to visit the, you know, the Pandavas estate, because Duridhan always knew where the Pandavas were, because he, you know, obviously he wanted to know where they were, so it, whenever he had some scheme in his mind of how to inflict harm, upon the Pandavas, he'd know exactly where to go. So his spies were constantly keeping track of the Pandavas. And then so, <clears throat> he sent, he asked Dravasa Muni to go down there and, and, and uh, you know, uh, after the Pandavas had finished the meal, because naturally as Kshatriyas, the, the Pandavas would want to serve the, um, the, uh, the Sadhu. You know, and, and he went there with his 10,000 disciples, so he wanted to serve. So Dravasa Muni, he turned up uh, at the Pandavas camp just after they'd finished eating, after Draupadi had finished eating. And Draupadi had this benediction, she had, had this mystic pot whereby as long as she hadn't eaten, she could feed unlimited people. It didn't matter how many people come, she could feed them. And, and, uh, but once she'd finished, the pot was, you know, there was nothing left. And she could, you know, as long as she hadn't eaten, she should just keep, you know, dishing out from the pot. Thousands and thousands of people. And so Devasamuni turned up just after she'd eaten. And then you, you know, um, and, and uh, he, he said to, to Yudhisthira, so, you know, I've come here with my disciples, please make proper arrangements for us, we're hungry. And so Yudhisthira said, said you know, please, you know, you go take down to the river, take your bath, and then come back and we'll make proper arrangements. And so Draupadi was in anxiety. She was thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, I've just eaten and there's nothing in the pot. And, She's getting all concerned like this. And then so immediately she started to call out for Krishna. And Krishna came. And she explained, that, you know, the Pandavas, they explained the situation to Krishna. And then, then Draupadi was saying, uh, but there's nothing left. We, 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 you know, I've eaten my meal. There's nothing to feed them. And so Krishna said, are you sure? Are you sure there's nothing left? And yes, yes, I finished. The pot's empty. And Krishna says, have a look in the pot. Just look at one time, have a look in the pot to see. And she looked in the pot, and there's just a small piece of spinach stuck, stuck on the side of the pot. And Krishna said, quickly, give it to me. So Krishna, he took that, and he ate it. And because of the love of Draupadi, when she's cooking this and offering to Krishna, he became fully satisfied. And there's a nice verse in, 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 the, in the Vedas where it says, Yasmin tushtat. When the Lord becomes satisfied, the whole universe is satisfied. So instantly, Devasamuni and his 10,000 disciples, they became fully satisfied. They couldn't, they couldn't even think of eating a grain of rice. They were so satisfied. So they were embarrassed. And they didn't want to go back to Yudhisthira marriage and say, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're satisfied. We don't want anything to eat. So they sort of quietly snuck away. So the point is, is with the pure devotees, in any situation of life, they take shelter of the Lord. And of course, 
you know, for devotees, we find that when we're in a distressful situation, it's very easy to take shelter of Krishna because, oh, there's this problem, there's that problem, Krishna, please save me. But we see with the great souls, in any situation, they take shelter of Krishna. Whether they're happy, whether they're sad, they always take shelter of Krishna because they understand that Krishna is their only shelter. They understand that, and this is the point that, that uh, is being made here in these verses, that um, they, they see Krishna as everything. Krishna matta, Krishna pitta, Krishna pranadhan. They see Krishna as everything. He, he's their mother, he's their father, he's very life and soul. And in every circumstance, they take shelter of Krishna. You know, when something nice happens, they think this is Krishna's mercy. When, when they're in calamity, oh Krishna, please save me. And it's interesting that we see this is, you know, at the end of this story of Prahlad Maharaj, because we see that in, in every circumstance, <coughs> Prahlad Maharaj, he took shelter of the Lord. You know, he was, he was at the school of, of the Guru called Sandra and Amaka, and he's, he's you know, teaching his, his school friends about Krishna and about chanting the name of Krishna, the benefits of chanting the name of Krishna. You know, he's being thrown into various uh, difficult circumstances by, by the arrangement of his father's cohorts. And, and whatever happened, he took shelter of Krishna. He didn't even see these as calamitous situations. He, didn't, he wasn't even concerned about they were trying to pierce him with weapons or you know, uh, have him attacked by ferocious animals or thrown into a pit of snakes or, or anything, or boiled in oil or thrown off a cliff or anything like that. He was just so absorbed in thought of Krishna, 24 hours a day. And so, this is the glory of a great devotee, is no matter what happens, no matter what happens in their life, they just take shelter of Krishna. And they see everything as just simply a manifestation of Krishna's energy, whether in one form or another. There's even, um, I remember reading a purport years ago, and Prabhupada was describing um, some manifestation of Krishna's potency. And then, you know, just like Prabhupada's kind of, I guess his contemplation, his meditation was coming out uh, in the purport. And he said, this is a not so attractive form of the Supreme Person of God. So he was seeing this connection. He's always connecting everything with Krishna. And I remember, you know, when, when I first joined ISKCON uh, many years ago, that everything... We, we, we tried to connect everything to Krishna, you know. Prabhu, can you clean Krishna's temple? Prabhu, can you wash Krishna's pot? You know, we all, everything was, was, we tried to connect it with Krishna. We saw everything as a manifestation or everything as belonging to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And this is stated by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita also. He, he says, Bhaktarangyakatapa samsavanobu meheshram suriram savabhutamam gatvamam shantim rishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishish
you know, they have so many, you know, wars going on all the time, and people are saying, you know, we should have peace, we should, you know, let, let's try to find a truce, let's try to find a, an amicable solution to this. So they're always hankering for peace, but they don't know how to find it. Because everyone's actually in competition to Krishna. They're all trying to be the controller, they're all trying to be the enjoyer. And with this mentality of trying to be the controller and the enjoyer, the only thing you'll know is disturbance, because this is not our natural position. We are not the supreme controller, we are not the supreme enjoyer, we are not the supreme proprietor. We're actually servants of God. And until we can realize that position, we'll never know peace. And this is the point that Krishna's making to Arjuna in the fifth chapter. If you understand that I am the supreme controller and enjoyer, that I am the proprietor of everything, and that I am the only friend. But you look at, look at a war, for instance. What happens in a war is some, per, some group of individuals see themselves as the enemy of another group of individuals. And you'll see that certain persons will align themselves with one side, or countries will align themselves with one side, other countries will align themselves with the other side. These are my friends, these are my enemies. It's, it just goes on. You see, it, it, kids in, in the playground, you know, this one's my friend, this one's my enemy. And therefore what happens, they fight and they cry. You know? And so we see this at so many levels, you know, at all levels in, in material society, we see this, this concept of friends and enemies. Well, one's my friend, one's my enemy. And we fight as a result. You know? And <clears throat> as a result of this, so much calamity, so much disturbance, so much dissatisfaction is coming. And it all gets down to the simple point is they think that I am, I am the controller, I am the enjoyer, I am the friend. And there's a nice verse in the 10th canto which discusses this, um, uh, where Lord Brahma and the Devatas are talking about how, uh, you know, that ultimately in this world, if people neglect the lotus feet of Krishna, They'll never understand the actual situation. And he talks about how says, how they're thinking. Vimukta, they're, they're very, very elevated, they're very advanced, they're liberated. But he said, Avishuddha because of their inner impure intelligence, they don't actually understand the actual situation. And that impure intelligence mean, can mean different things. It can mean one thing is, is they're contaminated by material desires, which we find uh, you know, also in the seventh, seventh chapter, you know, they don't know what the supreme destination is. Why? Because they're contaminated with material desires. They're thinking that sense gratification is the aim of life. And if one thinks that to enjoy the self in this material world, that is the aim of life, they will never understand what the goal of life is because they have a different idea. Yeah. And we also see this Avishuddha uh, Buddha also can refer to impersonalists, you know, who, who think that to merge into the Brahman is the goal of life. They also don't achieve satisfaction. And uh, there's a verse in the Chaitanya Chanamrita that points, this is Bhukti Mukti Siddhi Kami, Sakliya Shanta, Krishna Bhakta Nishkama Atta Eva Shanta, Bhukti Mukti Siddhi Kami, Sakliya Shanta. So it says Krishna Bhakta, Krishna, uh, what is it? Krishna Bhakta Nishkama Atta Eva Shanta. Because the Krishna Bhakta has no material, is Nishkama, no material desires, then Atta Eva, certainly, indeed, he is peaceful. But Bhukti Mukti Siddhikami, so the Bhuktis, they're, they're after sense enjoyment, the Muktis are after liberation, uh, 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 and the cities, they want some perfection in the, in the world. Bhukti Mukti Siddhikami, lusty, 
They're all lusty. Uh, Therefore, certainly they cannot be peaceful. So if someone is after something in this material world, apart from Krishna, they can never be happy. The only thing that will make us happy in this material world, and this is demonstrated in this point, uh, in this story here of Prahlad Maharaj, the only thing that will make us happy in this material world is to take shelter of Krishna. At every step of, every step of the way, you know, whether it's happiness, distress, heat, cold, whatever it is, you know. Because we see Krishna points out also in the Gita, that uh, was that matraspasas to kuntaya sitoshna sukhudukhata agamapa yinonyadas tangta tikshosa bharata the non-permanent appearance of happiness and distress and their disappearance in due course of time are like the appearance and disappearance of summer and winter seasons right? like I live in northern New South Wales and it's hot up there right now down here it's like 14 degrees yeah? up there it's you know 30 plus you know? but it's just sensory perception because for one person it's very, very nice, like, you know, most of you have just got one layer of clothing on. I come in here with three or four layers of clothing on. But that's just due to my senses. Ultimately, it's all the same thing, because it's just one person sees it as favorable, one person sees it as unfavorable. It doesn't matter. It's just sensory perception. And as Krishna says to Arjuna, these things must be tolerated because they're all external. They don't really matter in the ultimate issue. But what matters for us is to take shelter of Krishna at every step of the way. You know, at the, whatever's going on in our life, whatever we're doing, uh, whatever, you know. And Krishna, he, he also mentions in the ninth chapter, very, very nice verses in the ninth chapter. Yad karoshi yadashnasi 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 That whatever you do, whatever you uh, offer, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, give away, whatever austerities you perform, you do that, O son of Kunti, is offering for me. And then in the next verse, <coughs> he explains, Super, super, fareere, va, moksha, se, kama, bandhane. What is it? Sanya, shayo, vimukto, mabapaisasi. That in this way, you'll become freed from the reactions to inauspicious and auspicious activities. Because, you know, the, the common concept is all you know like the mode of goodness kind of concept is don't do inauspicious things do auspicious things that's good it's better than doing you know sinful activities but still it's binding because you become conditioned to the mode of goodness but he's saying by doing it for me by doing it for krishna you'll become freed from the reactions to auspicious and inauspicious works with your mind fixed on me in this principle of renunciation you will be liberated and thus you will come to me so this is the difference between, you know, you see some people, they w want to perform mode of goodness activities. And even some people, you know, they, they want to perform transcendental activities, like they might meditate on the impersonal pramad or something like that. But here in these verses, we see how uh, Narad Muni is showing Yudhisthira Maharaj the difference between a transcendentalist and a devotee, a pure devotee. Because ultimately, a pure devotee has no other thought than satisfaction of Krishna. Whereas a transcendentalist is still looking at their own benefit. How can I become freed from the influence of the modes of material nature? How can I become freed from the mind, the senses, all this sort of stuff? But for a devotee, that doesn't matter. A devotee only has one thought, and that is how to please Krishna. And we see this is epitomized by the residents of Vrindavan. Their only thought they don't even care if Krishna's God or not. That's, that's beside the point. All they want to do is please Krishna. 
And so we see in all their activities, they're uh, you know, just endeavoring, like we see Mother Yasoda, uh, this is described very nicely in, in the, the, the uh, beginning of the 10th canto, how you know, she, you know, Krishna is going to the other gopis' houses and stealing yogurt and butter and things like that. And she's thinking, oh, she's doing that because he doesn't like the milk I make, so I have to make better milk because I want him to be happy with the milk I make. So we see how she's just constantly absorbed in this thought of how to please Krishna. And all the residents of Vrindavan are like that. Whatever their relationship is with Krishna, they're always absorbed in the thought of how to please Krishna. And this is the mood of a pure devotee. No other thought in their mind but how to satisfy Krishna. And this is, this is very important for us to understand this. It's like in all our activities in devotional service, analyze, is this pleasing to Krishna or is this not pleasing to Krishna? Or you know, sometimes that might seem a bit too abstract, so we can think, is this pleasing to Prabhupada? Is this not pleasing to Prabhupada? Or is this pleasing to my spiritual master? Is this not pleasing to my spiritual master? Because, as it says, Kintu Prabhu Ya Priya Guru is very dear to Krishna because he's given his life to canvas on Krishna's behalf. So, you know, in, in all our activities, always try to look at, would this be pleasing to Krishna? Would Krishna like, or would Prabhupada like me to do this or not? And in this way, you know, we, we get to the point where we're, we, we're not doing activities for ourselves, we're doing activities for the pleasure of Krishna. And in this way we become very, very dear to Krishna. So, there's also another interesting aspect to what's going on here. This is, this is commented on by Jiva Goswami in relation to this verse, because it's saying how, um, let's go back to this verse. The impersonal Brahman is Krishna himself because Krishna is the source of the impersonal Brahman. And so, He's the original transcendental bliss. Um, uh, you know, so it's pointing out you know, how Krishna is actually, he's the origin of everything. And, and sometimes <coughs> there are versions in, in, the, in, the, in the Vedas that indicate that Krishna is actually an incarnation of Vishnu. But from the Bhagavatam we can understand this is actually not correct. According to the Bhagavatam, and this is explained very clearly in the third chapter of the first canto. The third chapter of the first canto is called Krishna is the source of all incarnations. So it goes through explaining quite a number of different incarnations of, Krishna, uh, 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 of the Lord. And then in the 28th verse, it, it, it's a very significant verse, it says, Ete Changsha Kalak Pungsam Krishna's Tu Bhagavan Swayam. That, but of all these, uh, you know, expansions and parts of expansions have been described here, it says Krishna is the original, and He appears whenever there is some disturbance in in in, in the universe. So, Jiva Goswami highlights that this is actually the the essence of of the instructions of the Bhagavatam, that especially this one line, Krishna's too. Bhagavan Swayam. So Krishna, Krishna, but Krishna, Bhagavan Swayam. He is the original supreme personality of Godhead. There is no one beyond him. Ishvara Paramakrishna Sachinananda Vikraha Anadi Radi Govinda Savakaranakaranam, as explained by Lord Brahma. That, uh, you know, that, that uh, Ishvara Paramakrishna, the controller. Krishna is the supreme controller. There's no control. Parama means the highest. There's nothing beyond him. Yeah? Ishapara, he, he, he has a form which is full of uh, 
eternity, knowledge and bliss. Anadi, Adi, Govind. Adi means the origin. He is the origin of all other origins. He has no other origin. He doesn't come from anyone else. Uh, and then he says, Savakaranakar, uh, and he's the cause of all causes. So this is Krishna's position. And this is explained in great detail by Jiva Goswami in, in his Sandarbhas, uh, this, this uh, Krishna's Tu Bhagavan Swayam. And he actually says that this is the essential verse of the Bhagavatam. And this is the verse by which all other verses of the Bhagavatam must be understood. But he makes a really interesting comment in, in, the, in, in the Krishna Sandarbha, the verse, 29th verse of the Krishna Sandarbha, that actually for a Vaishnava, for a Gaudiya Vaishnava, he understands all scriptures from this verse, this Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, that all scriptures say the same point, that Krishna is the supreme original personality of Godhead. He, he has no other origin. He is the one who, from whom everything else has come. And we see that this is also being explained by Krishna's Kaviraj in the fifth chapter of the Adi Leela. Uh, and this chapter is called The Glories of Nityananda Balaram. And there's a nice verse there where it mentions that, how's it go? Hmm. I've just gone blank on the verse. I know the verse well. But it's saying that, that how, um, how, how, how Krishna, he's the, he's the oh, that's it, Ekale Isha Krishna, that Ekra, Ekra is one. Ishra, controller, Krishna. There's only one controller, and that's Krishna. Asabhya all others, they dance as he makes them do so. And we see that, that if you look at the different uh, manifestations of God, the Purusha avatars, where do the Purusha avatars come from? Anyone know? Where they come from? Mahavishnu, yeah, they expand from the Chattavyuha. Where does the Chattavyuha come from? Sankashan. Where does Sankashan come from? First Chattavyuha. The first Chattavyuha comes from Mahashankashan, which comes from Balaram. So we can see these are expansions of Balaram. And who is Balaram? What's his position? He's addressed as the Supreme Personality of? Servitor Godhead. So all these Purusha avatars, all these uh, uh, Chattavyuha, all these persons, they're, they're expanding in so many ways, but they're coming from the Supreme Personality of Servitor Godhead. They have a function to serve God. But Krishna, Ekala Ishvara Krishna, he's the only joy, he's the only controller, he's the only master. Everything else is expanding from Krishna. So we see how this verse is also confirming that even the Brahman, so many people are aspiring for Brahman, but even the Brahman, Brahmano hi pratishtaham, it's coming, I'm the basis of that, it's coming from me. So this is a very, very important discussion. Uh, and this, this verse, this, uh, you know, uh, Krishna's tu Bhagavan Swayam, this is a, actually Jiva Goswami calls this the emperor verse because it's the greatest verse for a Vaishnava to understand that everything is ultimately dependent upon Krishna. No other form, not Vishnu, not you know, whoever it might be, Narayan, whatever, 
It's all dependent upon Krishna because he is the original Supreme Person of God. He is the sum and bowman. Everything comes from him. And therefore, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, understanding this, coming in the line of our Acharyas, understanding this, we accept that Krishna is the Supreme Person of God and he is the goal of our life. Okay, I'll finish there. Any <coughs> comments, questions? Draupadi's pot and how I'm not hearing very well, sorry um, just when you're talking about the pastime of Draupadi's pot and how Krishna said if there's, if there's anything left in because there's just a little more than Krishna took it and because he was satisfied, the whole universe is satisfied at that time um, how can we actually properly understand this because it seems that nobody's ever satisfied in this world for very long and yet there's so many devotees on the planet rendering devotional service to Krishna and yet there's always so many problems in the world which means that people obviously aren't satisfied. So how can we actually properly understand that when Krishna's satisfied, everyone's satisfied? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to the question. It's a good question. Um, it's just like there's a, there's a pastime mentioned in the uh, Chaitanya Chandramrita. You know that this pastime when, when Lord Ramachandra shot the arrow and went through the trees and liberated the trees. And there's discussion there about how when the Lord comes that the whole universe is liberated, yet it fills up again with conditioned souls. So I would, I would guess it's probably something in the realm of that. But, you know, because obviously it's a statement of Shastra, so we have to accept it's true. Uh, yet, due to the, the unlimited material desires, then people again become dissatisfied. Just like during, during the Renaissance period in, in, in the world, it was a time of great learning and a great, you know, development in the world. But that was the time when Lord Chaitanya appeared. So, you know, if we were to look historically at the different times when Krishna was on the planet, we'd probably find, I mean, I, I'm not a historian, so I don't know, but you'd probably find that there was time, a time of great prosperity and happiness in the world because of Krishna's presence. And even you can see um, when Krishna appeared, how all the constellations, the moon, you know, when Lord Chaitanya appeared, the moon was full. Uh, uh, you know, sorry, sorry, when Lord Krishna appeared, not when Lord Chaitanya, when Lord Chaitanya was an eclipse, but it was considered very, very auspicious because of the appearance of Lord Chaitanya. So we, we see how when the Lord appears, then all the various uh, constellations and different, you know, astrological things arrange themselves to be perfect because of that. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I can only guess it would be a similar kind of an idea, is that yes, they become satisfied, but because of these unlimited material desires, they again become dissatisfied. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't give you a better answer than that. I, 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 don't, <coughs> I don't recall reading anything by the Acharyas on that point. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure they make comments on it, but I don't recall reading anything like that. Yeah, there's those verses that says like when you when you put right. food. It's like there's those verses that 
elaborate on it that when you feed the stomach, the whole body becomes nourished. When you water the tree, yep. the root of the tree, the whole tree becomes nourished. Yeah, yeah. but again, yeah. because of so your activities, the yeah, body reference. becomes hungry again. That's a good point, yeah. Anything else? Yes, Prabhu. I'm just adding to that point. I, I'm just thinking um, it would be also maybe because of our independence that, that we want to stay here and enjoy the material world, you know, that we're not satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, though but devotees are serving. But the point of this just been twisted, you got to start, is he says the whole universe becomes satisfied. And that's true, the, the universe becomes satisfied, but because of these material desires, because they're not fulfilled or because they're not, you know, because of our material proclivity, then again dissatisfaction will come. Just the nature. Un until we get to the point of accepting Krishna's Supreme Personality of Godhead and that I am his servant and my only business is, is to serve him and to please him, until we can actually come to that point, that realization, we will continue to be dissatisfied in one way or another. And so the only way ultimately to achieve satisfaction is by serving Krishna. Yes, Manaji. Hare Krishna Prabhu, thanks for the nice class. And as you said, like uh, people who are engrossed in sense gratification, it's very hard to uh, make them understand the goal of life. Yeah. Like uh, I, I'm trying to uh, preach my friends and most of them like uh, you can understand like they don't want to take it up but yeah. some are very like uh, they don't know what they're doing but they're very pious but at the same time uh, they don't want to accept this. Uh, accept the goal of what? goal of life like uh, they don't understand and how to make them understand uh, there's an interesting saying a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still yes. so you can't force anyone our, our duty is simply to present Krishna consciousness to as many people as we can in the best way we can do it try to present in a way that makes it attractive to them. Not that we change the philosophy to make it attractive, but we present the pure philosophy through whatever means we can uh, to try to, just like, you know, nowadays yoga preaching is quite popular because people want to do yoga. So you do teach them yoga and at the same time you give them Bhagavad Gita. Um, but you can't, you know, what is it, what is it um, Vaisheshikabhu sometimes says, you can lead a horse to water, you can't, you can't make him drink. You can lead a man to knowledge, but you can't make him think. Yeah? So, you know, our duty is to present Krishna consciousness. But as Krishna says in the second chapter of the Gita, you have the right to perform your duty, but you're not entitled to the fruit of the results. Never consider yourself the doer of the activity, and don't be attached to not doing your duty. So. It, you know, like, you can go out there and present Krishna consciousness, but it's up to them whether they take it or not. It's also up to Krishna in their heart, you know, matasmiti gyanam that whether he inspires them, whether he helps them to remember who they are. Don't be attached to the outcome. Uh, you have no control over the outcome, whether a person takes or not. Our duty is simply to go out there 
and present Krishna consciousness as enthusiastically as we can. And the more we can become transparent, the more we can simply act as a servant of Krishna, then the more we'll be effective. But there's no guarantee of that because it's up to Krishna and it's up to the will of the individual living entity. And some are attached to me and they say, for your satisfaction, I will chant one mantra a day like that. Is well, that that's totally? good. Yeah. That's good because, you know, they don't realize what they're doing to themselves when they do that. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they vibrate the, the, the name of Krishna, their, their, their life changes. It's like Prabhupada would sometimes say we have to inject the Krishna conscious poison into their dull wood-like brains. It's like a virulent poison. Once, once a poison comes into the body, it spreads throughout the whole body and you can't do anything about it. So as soon as they chant the holy name of Krishna, they're finished. Thank you. It may take, you know, a short time, it may take a long time. But if they chant the name of Krishna, their material life is finished. Thank you, Prabhu. But don't be attached to the outcome. Just do your duty. Okay. Thank you very much, Shri Prabhupada Ki, Samaveta Bhaktivinoda Ki, Shaini Taiko Premanandi.